It's hard to balance life and a full-time job and still enjoy the things in your life you're passionate about. If you're passionate sports, every Monday and Thursday, join me as we talk about the day's biggest sports topics, the previews, game analysis, the infusion of music and sports, and rumors in the sports world. If you love sports and want a new, fresh perspective from a sports podcast, this is the show for you. I'm your host, Keith Johnson, and this is Sports Fans Only. Now let's talk some damn sports. Sports fans only home for the hottest sports show around. These guys are on fire. A toast today, career. The perfect combination, boy. Camp Hall, legends in the South. You're now listening to KJ and Sean Mack. Now let's talk some damn sports. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, we're coming to you guys with a heavy heart today. Uh, by now, I'm pretty sure everybody knows and heard the news about Kobe Bryant, who passed away tragically yesterday in a helicopter accident. Um, unfortunately, his daughter was with him, his 13-year-old 13, his 13 daughter, his oldest daughter, and uh, along with those two was another seven passengers, or was it six passengers plus the pilot. So in total, all nine people 
lost their lives in a horrible, horrible, horrible accident. Something that should not have happened. And uh, I think the sports world's feeling it today. Everybody's feeling it. Even if you didn't really follow basketball, you've always heard about the Black Mamba and that the mentality and, and what it takes to be great and all these different things that Kobe has been preaching his whole entire career. It just makes you really sit back and think after something like this happens. It really takes hold of you. It, it, it really grips you. Um, you know, you play back all the different interviews he had and all the different quotes that, you know, people got from Kobe Bryant. And um, it's just a sad day, really sad day. Now, I know, Sean, you were a, you were a huge Kobe fan. And I've known this ever since I met you um, 20 years ago. Huge Kobe fan. And uh, I know this is touching you. It touched me, but I know it's got to be touching you. So um, if you feel up to it, you want to say a few words? Ooh. Yeah, yeah. First, I'd like to... Uh in my prayers and my condolences to all of the people, family members that was lost in the um, accident. And second, I like to say this one hurts, Kane. I wasn't sure if I'm going to be able to do this show, finish this show, but I'm here because this is what we do. Mamba mentality, right? Yeah, Mamba mentality. And, and that's the biggest thing that I've gotten from this whole tragedy. Just really examining the man, the way he thought the way he moved. Uh, he had an interesting quote that said, um, me and lazy people, now I'm not saying it word for word, I'm kind of paraphrasing, but he said, me and lazy people have nothing in common. He was like, I can't get with lazy people. We can't be in the same room basically because basically he gives everything 110%. I don't like using that phrase, but that was Kobe. He, he went above and beyond what it meant to be great. And... He he just put every every piece of his being, his soul, he put into everything he did. Even after he uh, stopped playing basketball with the, uh, what did he just ran out? He won an Oscar, right? Yeah. Yeah, he won an Oscar for a kid's, uh, kid's book, I think it was. Or no, it was actually a basketball uh, documentary that he won that uh, Oscar for, so... He was doing big things and he wanted to continue to do big things, uh, different endeavors that he was in, different businesses. So he took that mentality off the court and he took it to the business world. And by all accounts, he was making major, major, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He was, he had a lot of momentum in the, in the film industry, in the mentoring industry. Um, of course, we all seen what he did with his daughter as far as their basketball team and stuff like that. He was just a very, inf very involved father, a uh, very devoted husband. So it's just sad, man. It it it's really sad. Um, it's not too yeah. much else I can really put on that to express yeah, how, just, how sad people are. But go ahead, Sean. It was just it's too fast, too soon. And we always hear it. Our last show we did, remember we were, um, LeBron was about to pass Kobe the next day when we did that show and we had the little banter between me and you, the back and forth about who's better. And little did I know when I was speaking on my boy at that time in a couple of days that he would be gone. And it's cliche-ish. It's cliche to say what I'm about to say, but we always say 
when someone passes, hold your family closer, hold your loved ones closer, and to also, if you have any beef, any gripe, any ill will, any ill feelings towards another human being to uh, bury the hatchet, per se, and move on. So I say it again. For anyone out there that's loving someone that might, that, 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 that it's hard right now for me to even talk, but if you have someone out there that you love and y'all are having problems and you have ill will, just bury the hatchet because if that person passes the next day, you, you will have no more ill will. You would have no hard feelings and you wish that um, the worst thing is for someone to pass and you have regrets. I just wish that you might have told them anything that you love them. But by all accounts, Kobe told his family and his friends. He always shared how he felt. He lived in the day. He lived in the hour. He lived in the minute. And he passed too fast. And I just want to say rest in peace to my boy, Kobe, man. It hurts. Yeah, it does hurt. You don't realize how much something like this hurts until it actually happens. And and seeing the response from people all over the world, I was watching the news and um, they were showing people from Italy. Now, if everybody knows, well, I don't. If you didn't know, Kobe was raised up until high school, or it might have been middle school. I think it was high school. He was raised in Italy, and he was one of the few black people in his class when he was coming up through elementary school and stuff like that. So he was able to identify with not just black people, not just Americans. Kobe was a worldwide brand. Everybody knew who Kobe was. In a lot of respects, he was Michael Jordan to this generation. He, and, and you know what? I was listening to um, the Stephen A. Smith show. Actually, his slot is over now. Um, it's Bart yeah. Scott, Bart Scott, Bart Scott. and uh, Alan Hahn, right? Alan Hahn? Yeah, yep, Alan Hahn and uh, Bart Scott. Yeah, and they were they were even saying, and I gotta agree with them. There's some things that Kobe was able to do that Jordan, not saying he couldn't do, he just didn't do. I think go- Kobe's game was more polished in the sense that he didn't have to go through that maturation process that Jordan went through. He just picked up Jordan's the best parts of his game, and he incorporated those parts early in his career, whereas Jordan didn't learn those parts. You know, until later, towards when he won his first championship. So I say all that to say that Kobe kind of had a head start in his development as a great basketball player because he had Michael Jordan as a as a uh, a target. He said, "I'm going to be just like this dude," and um, I think in a lot of ways he took what Jordan did and took it to the next level. Now, am I saying that? Kobe is better than Jordan. That's not even a discussion I want to have right now, but I'm just saying there's a lot of things that Kobe did that surpassed what Jordan did, which makes him that much more special because he took that challenge on. He said, I'm going to be better than Michael Jordan. That's what he was saying when he first came into the NBA. Like A lot of people thought he was bat, bat shit crazy. Excuse my language. You know, you got this young kid coming in. He's 17, 18 years old, and he's talking about he wants to be better than Jordan already, and uh, he had to prove it. And he did. He did prove it. And that Mamba mentality started way back then, probably even before then. But he has the ultimate respect for me. I didn't like him as a player just because of the battles he had with my San Antonio Spurs. And, I, you know, I've, there was times I talked bad about him, not on a personal level, just on a basketball level. But, um, Kobe, if you can hear me, 
all due respect, I salute you. You know, there's not too many like you, not, not too many built like you, and you got to admire that. Yeah. You know, if you remember his first All-Star game, he was going at Jordan so hard. I forget who the coach was, but they actually benched him, and all the veterans on that team and on the East and the West actually was upset with Kobe because they felt that he was showing Jordan no respect. But I think he was showing them nothing but respect by trying to kill him on the court because that's what Jordan would have done, right, in his yeah. day. Yeah. You know, anybody that came along, Jordan was trying to make sure that he, they knew he was the best for the future and the present. So I always think it was great to me that uh, Kobe actually went at Jordan and early in his career, Kobe missed the air ball. He had the air ball in Utah. And I actually told Corey, why do we have this boy on our team? We need to get rid of him. <laughs> I, I didn't want him. I'm like two air balls, get the ball to Shaq, you know, run the offense. But that was just lack of coaching and it was a maturation process. So it took some time and he got to where he wanted to be, I believe, which was hell of hella, hella close to the great Michael Jordan. Yeah, I think the only difference, the only thing that separates them is that one championship, right? Because he beat, he surpassed Jordan and everything else. I mean, one can say yeah. the only thing that separates if, them if, is that one, if, and, the, and the MVPs. If Kobe had six rings, you think we'd look at him a little different? Um, Maybe not six, but I think we would look at him different if he had four or five MVPs. I think the case could be made that he could be better than Jordan if he had all the MVPs. Now, I think that has something to do with the whole BS rape case. I think a lot of that had to do with that because for Kobe Bryant to only have one MVP his entire career, absolutely yeah. insane. I mean, even Tim the, Duncan the, has more than one. The year that uh, the two years that Nash won, I felt that should have been Kobe years. But like you say, that was during the whole Colorado case, right? Yeah. He was going through the whole rape case. So. It wouldn't have been a good look for the NBA to actually hand him that trophy at the time. But I think everyone else know, even Shaq was saying months ago, maybe a year ago on TNT, that um, Kobe definitely should have at least three to four MVPs. Shaq does as well. You know, he only has one, right? Yeah, he only has one. You can't tell me that's ridiculous. Nah. Shaquille O'Neal, the most powerful, dominating force we've ever seen on a basketball court, with our own eyes, we weren't around for Wilk, but we hear the stories. Actually only have one MVP. Oh, one thing I could say, one of those years, Duncan got it. So I don't know if you can I don't know if you can say that Shaq unanimously deserved it instead of Duncan, because remember that's when Duncan was Duncan. Yeah, yeah. It's not, not that year. In one of those years he should have picked. Well, yeah, yeah, one, you're right? right. You're right. You're right. You're right. He definitely should now when did Malone win his championship? Do you know? I mean, uh, not his, his championship, MVP. his MVP. Was that the 2000s? Uh, Jordan's, no, Jordan's last year. Oh, so that was 98. Jordan's then. last year for the Bulls, I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so that was 98. Okay. All right. Yeah, but, you know, we both agree they definitely both should have more MVPs. But, um, but yeah, I still can't get over it, man. We, we got a lot of time to talk about this for the rest of the show. I don't want to cram it all in right now. Um, of course, you know. We didn't get into the usual introduction, even though we let the the, the drop introduce us. But, um, yeah, this is Sports Fans Only, man. I hope you guys stay tuned for the rest of the show. We got a lot of stuff to, to go over. Got a little Joe Montana. Um, we got some Maya, Maya Moore in the news. Um, definitely going to continue to talk about Kobe Bryant. 
the great late Kobe Bryant. Sounds crazy even saying that. Um, got a bunch of interviews I want you guys to hear from a lot of his peers in the NBA and coaches and stuff like that. So we're going to play all that good stuff for you. Um, before we get into that, we got to pay some bills. So uh, we're going to head to some commercials. We're going to come back with some music. And we will be back. This year's 2020 NBA All-Star Game will be hosted by Chicago, featuring some of the best players in the league from east to west, including your favorite NBA players. today at NBA.com. All right, here we go. Big Poppy, so happy to see you. Now, I love your accent, but for this commercial, we got to really Boston it up, right? I mean, mm. you got the clutch factor. Okay, so you ready? Let's do it. Okay, let's do it. Now, just repeat after me. There's a wicked ripper by the harbor. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. What's that mean? It means there's a big party. Okay. You know that? Okay, All right, okay so let's do it. There's a wicked ripper by the harbor. Oh, God, listen, let me put this in terms you can understand. All right, listen to me. Bottom of the ninth, game seven, we need a walk-off homer, okay? All right, let's do it. Let's get That's in that mine. mindset, okay? That's me. I'm going to break it down into chunks. Say wicked. Wicked. Ripper. Ripper. Wicked ripper. Wicked ripper. There's a wicked ripper by the harbor. Wicked ripper by the harbor. I think that's as good as it's going to get. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, listen. I'm oblivious to you skeptics What you hear you ain't never hear till I repped it Aerodescent heroes essence please clear the exits I chase demons outdoors force them to hear the message Air them out Heard some people discussing my whereabouts Yeah it's been a few sightings of me a fair amount Never seen much but yet I'm never in the house Move a style while exciting when I do step out Y'all been rhyming for years and juggle made a hit Uchi Wally idea sold a million records had him embarrassed, signed to Columbia Blew a check, he was laughing While y'all in the studio bragging about your past Thinking back, so on trips to Manhattan Dad was rolling hotels like the plaza Black bellhops holding Rich people bags, tip they has to omen Coming out of cabs, limousine holding doors for them We all got a job to go for it No bad energy, please, no bad energy Just try to be the best you, man That's all I can say, man. No bad energy, please, no bad energy All that over here, man, you gotta wait, man no bad energy, please, no bad energy. You know what I'm saying? Big Apple, my Hennessy, please. On no bad energy, please, no bad energy. To rappers who never sold crack, telling other people's lives. Never shot nobody, but be shooting people in their rhymes. Never robbed nobody or re up with coke in their ride. I'm probably who they talking about when they writing most of their lines, and I ain't noticing. Trapping was what was happening with Bo the Click. Around me, I'm surrounded by the most devoted click. We saw the smokers get rowdy for all the potentness. And still ain't know how sick it was in that ocean abyss. What doesn't come out in the wash comes out in the rinse. You suckers, they had no say so. Whoever put you in a position to have a say so should be questioning they self. 
I'm silk shirt, summertime sunny, sun chaser Pretty girl tongue taster, southern girl luster City girl love maker, the matinee watcher The good weather on a Saturday afternoon shopper Good gift copper, still miss Big Papa No bad energy, please, no bad energy No bad energy, please, no bad energy No bad energy, please, no bad energy No bad energy, please, no bad energy
action when you heard the news? I just landed in uh, in Atlanta, and uh, it was just so it was just so shocking. That was my young fellow. That was my young fellow, and um, it was crazy that I can sit here now and just be in shock because you know that's my brother. That was my brother. And I'm walking into the hotel and everybody blowing me up and they're telling me this and asking me, is it true? And um, I get the word and I find out from a good source and uh, and find out it is. And it's just, it's just really, really shocking right now. How would you describe the impact Kobe Bryant had on you? I know you said he was the young buck, you were the old guy, but what kind of effect did he have on you? When I was with him. Uh, in that one year in um, L.A., but uh, we got really close. You know, um, I was the one with him all the time, and and um, we got to get we got to share a lot of stuff. You know, a lot of stuff when he was going through the stuff that he was going through in that time, and uh, he opened up to me a lot. You know, and and, and talked, and, and and we got to be close and, and find our ways of mind that was really about, and. Uh, that's why he became like a little brother to me. And after that, uh, he became real close with my, 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 my kids and stuff like that. And, and it, and it was just so amazing to see what kind of guy he was, you know, just because everybody, what everybody was saying about him and, and things like that. I had to find out by myself what was really going on. And I found out what was really in his heart. And, uh, not just being a competitor, just being a guy that just wanted to be accepted and, and let everybody understand what, what, what kind of person he was really was. So that was Gary Payton giving his thoughts about when he first found out about the horrible tragedy of Kobe Bryant passing in the helicopter accident. Um, so reports were coming in. Uh, at first, somebody said Rick Fox was in the uh, helicopter. Then other reports were coming in that his whole family was on there and you know, you started getting all these different reports left and right. And, you know, in this day and age, in this society, of the Internet anyway, you have all these fake deaths. And for the, for the life of me, I don't understand why. I don't know if it's bloggers or just somebody just doing it just to do it, but why people put these fake deaths out there. So when I first saw it, I thought it was a, one of those fake deaths that was just, you know, oh, somebody's just messing around on the internet or whatever. But then as soon as I saw that first article, somebody texted me, and another person texted me, and somebody called me, and then everybody was confirming, like, ESPN is really saying he passed away. But then you had all these different stories. It was just so gut-wrenching, and my heart just sank. Because I was like, because at first I thought it was his whole family. So I'm like, his entire family's dead? This can't be real. This cannot be real. And it, it just touches you because um, we were just talking about how my daughter went down to Atlanta. So she was traveling, and she sent me a, she sent me a link about what happened with Kobe Bryant too. And, you know, you just want to grab your kids and just grab them and hug them and tell them you love them because you never know. You never know when it could be your last time you see somebody, and it could be over just like that. In one second – your whole world could be over. And uh, my heart really goes out to his his wife and his other kids and the other people in the helicopter, for that matter. 
the baseball coach, the minor league baseball coach, his wife and his daughter were on that helicopter. They both died. But what a lot of people may not know is that they had another daughter and another son. So they just lost basically their whole family. You know, it's it's tough. It's really tough. Uh, Sean, I don't think you have your mic up. There you go. Go ahead. All good? You're good. All right. All right. I've wondered why I said something and you didn't um, acknowledge <laughs> me. I'm like, dang, he, I guess he's really into what he's saying. I'm going to let it flow. <laughs> that's my fault i had your mic it's good to have a nice laugh though we we need one right now but uh what i was trying to say was um i really hope tmz wasn't being reckless with their reporting not the story but the time of it i hope that um vanessa colby's wife was actually contacted and was told about the tragedy before because what i heard just like you say you heard so much on the internet but i heard that she found out he had passed away through actual tv and that's sad if 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 that's what happened tmz should get sued i can't stand tmz anyway but how are you going to report something like that and not at least try to reach out to his family i'm pretty sure they could have reached out to somebody before just you know they just want to be the first one to get that news out there just to say they were the first ones to do it and it's such yeah. a scumbag, sleazy move for his wife to find out that her daughter and her husband are dead and she had to find out through TMZ. How sick yeah. is that? You know, um, after I dropped the kids off to school, I was listening to the radio, of course, and um, the last two names came out of the victims that were on the helicopter. And um, it was another mother and another child. So that's a total of three 13-year-old young ladies that passed away amongst the nine. Three... <sighs> 13-year-olds, Keith. My daughter's 13. Yeah. Actually almost named her Gianna. That's crazy. Not behind Colby's neither because my wife was pregnant at the same time. Yeah. With Olivia, you know, and uh, she, she had, my wife found out how I came up with the name and she wasn't too fond of it. So <laughs> we choose to go with Olivia. But even Olivia was telling me coming home that it would have been real awkward for her to be the same age and, uh, you know, an athletic young lady. And would have shared the same name with Kobe's daughter. But I told her it was a great name. When I found out that he had named his daughter Gianna, I was like, I told you it was a great name. We, we think alike, you know? Yeah. That's crazy, man. And and I just it, just it just hurts so bad. Now, my question to you is, why? Now, I was told that the Los Angeles Police Department, now, I don't know if you knew this, but they have one of the largest uh, – helicopter forces. I, I don't know exactly what they call it in uh, police terms, terminology, but they have the biggest airborne unit, uh, you know, with helicopters and stuff like that. So they have the yeah. biggest helicopter unit in the country. So even they said there was like, it was too foggy. There was like, uh, none of our pilots were flying in that because if we can't see past two miles, if there's less than two mile, two miles ahead of you, visibility, they say we don't fly. We don't fly. We ground all our helicopters. So my question is, and I, I hate to do this, but I just, you know, you always backtrack. You know, hindsight is twenty twenty. But yeah, revisionist history. Yeah, so it's but, something we do as human beings. It's something we do. Yeah, it's definitely. And I'm just wondering if if Kobe knew this, why didn't he just say, you know what, we'll just drive today, because they had to get special permission. To fly and that's way. what a, that's what authorities are looking into the maintenance of the uh, helicopter and who actually gave them the okay to fly because uh, reports was that it was real foggy, like you say visibility was up almost nothing. He got a call. I heard that the pilot actually made a call right before the accident 
letting um, the tower know that he was going to try to fly over the clouds, which I'm assuming was maybe the fog as well. So he, he made a hard bank left. And they actually say at that time the helicopter went into what they call a death spiral. And we all know what that is. So basically the wind, something having to do with the wind currents. And if you make the wrong maneuver when you're in that helicopter and the wind gets in the wrong section. I'm not a I'm not a helicopter expert, but I do know if you go against the wind, if you move that helicopter the wrong way, the wind will just take it and start spinning it and flipping it. And once that happens, it's pretty much over. There's nothing there's nothing you can really do to escape that, which is just that's why I was just wondering why they had to, I don't know. They say he uh he he flew helicopters all the time, so yeah, uh, that, that yeah, was that, it's that lifestyle, you know. In L.A., Jack does it. Jack Nicholas, uh, every almost everybody in L.A., you know, they live a certain lifestyle where travel means a lot, time means a lot. Your time is money, yeah. as they say. And you know, if you have something at four o'clock and you have to be cross town at seven o'clock, no way that you can drive. So you try to just you know charter. Some people charter the helicopters. He happens to own his own. Um, but you know what confused me as well? That helicopter was blue, it was navy blue and light blue. The pictures that I've seen my whole life of knowing Kobe with the helicopter, it was black. Yeah, the black one with his little uh, symbol on it, right? Yeah, right. It's so go- it was golden black. Maybe he wasn't flying his. Maybe he was flying somebody else's that day. That was definitely a blue helicopter. They had the tailpiece that was only left intact, right? When you see the yeah. overhead views. Yeah. So that got me wondering. I'm like, hmm, that's not his helicopter. Yeah, why? Why? It's just a bunch of, and it goes to show you, um, you can make one mistake. And it's not like he made a bad mistake. Like you said, he, d- he did this all the time. When he had to get somewhere quickly and he wanted to avoid traffic, he would hop in his helicopter. But it just makes me wonder, like, if they were basically telling you that it's foggy out, and they really didn't want people flying, why push the issue? And I, I'm saying this for selfish reasons because I wish he was still here. So, I mean, there's nothing's going to bring him back. But, you know, sometimes you just sit and think. Just one little decision affected nine people's lives in, in the most horrific, horrible way. And it's nobody's fault. I'm not putting blame on anybody. I just want people and listeners to understand that even in this situation, be very careful on the type of decisions that you make because you could be doing something you always do and not even really thinking about it, and it can end up catastrophic, just like this situation. One little yeah. decision. So just keep that in mind. Um, somebody told me, we were talking the other day on the phone, and um, who said that? Uh, was that Kenji? No, it might have been Mike. But he was saying that, you know, we drive our cars and there's car accidents all the time. You know, you can't yeah. stop that from living your life. But yeah. I said, you know, I drive all the time, but when there's snow outside on the ground and there's ice, guess what Keith's not doing? Keith ain't driving. I'm not going nowhere. And I just think his comfortability level with being in helicopters allowed him to make that decision. Because I don't think me, you, Kenji, might, if somebody said it's too foggy to fly, we're going to be like, okay, well, we're not flying today. So it it just really bothers me that, that well, one. I I hope the pilot wouldn't let Kobe or any other client make that decision. Yeah, right. So I'm hoping not. It, it brings me um, who had a plane crash and um, who was it? JFK Jr. Right. Yep. All right. And that was the same thing that they were saying that um, the visibility was bad that night. He was um, not that 
well-trained. He had been training as a pilot, but he wasn't able to fly on his own. He had to fly with an instructor. So who knows? I think that came down to a little negligence because they shouldn't have taken off to go to Martha Venue. But with Kobe, I'm hoping that the pilot just made the decision on his own or maybe when they took off, it wasn't as foggy. And on route, he realized that it got foggy and it was uh, dangerous. So who knows? You know, as human beings, we clam for answers. We claim we clam for someone to take responsibility when it's a tragedy. But sometimes it's no response. No one's responsible. It's just is what it is. And we have to live with it. If anything, you learn, you live. And out of this, like you said, always try to make proper decisions. But even when making decisions that are for the better, for the good of your people that you're around or your loved ones, tragedy do happen. But the one thing we can take out of this is what I said earlier, which is a huge cliche. Love your family more. Bury any hatchets or ilk, ilk will, ill will or ilk feelings you have towards someone. And just let them know that you love them. And tell your family that you love them. And another thing that you can learn, work hard. This guy actually makes me want to work harder at the show now. Because I know looking at all of his accomplishments last night made me look in the mirror and said... I'm not doing nowhere near as much, much as I could do to make myself a better man, a better father, a better co-worker, a better friend, and be more diligent on my decisions in life. I need to work like he worked harder. Yeah, I, I couldn't have said it better myself. And I had those same thoughts. You know, everybody in the in the media was talking about the, the Mamba mentality. So yesterday... I did some soul searching because this even brought, it didn't bring tears to my eyes right away. It took about a whole 10 to 12 hours before I actually started getting emotional. And once I got to that point where I couldn't watch nothing without some tears rolling down my eyes, I started to reflect and I started looking at myself and be like, if Kobe, the type of man that Kobe was and when he's going after something, he puts everything into it. He leaves no stone unturned. And he, he preached that. Faithfully, he preached that. He said, if you want to be great, you have to put the work into it. And I had to take a, take a step back and say, you know, I don't do that. And now I try nope. to do it. We try. I don't. We try I at don't. times, but we don't. You have to, That has to be the fabric of your life. Like, you have to wake up and want to be great. You want Breathe to, it, eat it, sleep it. Everything, live it. even even down to brushing your teeth, brush your teeth just faithfully, just just everything, every and any little thing that you can think of, you should be trying to better yourself to and get the to the people that, around you and the people around you to elevate everybody. And I know for one, I haven't done that, and and I had to take a long look in the mirror and said, "What yeah. do you want out of life?" What do you really yeah. want out of life? And if, if, if there's something that you want out of life, you got to work hard. You have to you have to put so much into it that it hurts. You got to put your blood, your sweat, your tears into it. And that was Kobe's main message is to do everything in your everything in your being, everything possible. You're supposed to put into that thing that you want to succeed in. And um and and it was done in 20 years. I don't know if people realize it. So if you take from when he came into the league at 19, right, into where he just passed, it's, that's actually 22 years, right? Yeah. 19 to 41. He did all that in a decade and two years. 
Think yeah. about it. Yeah, you're right. It seemed like it was a long life, right? Yeah. But if you just take his life from when he entered the public spotlight in our eyes, it was just 22 years. He accomplished all of that. I haven't accomplished 2% of what he have, and I've been here for exactly 40 years. Yeah, man. He he was something to behold. And on that note, um, Stephen A. Smith had a bunch of great words about Kobe. I'm going to let you guys hear this real quick. Um, here we go. Uh, when I had the show, quite frankly, on ESPN2, and people used to talk about me, you know, interviewing people, and they used to bring up folks like Oprah and others, he used to say, damn all of that, not Oprah, Harpo. That was his mentality. Don't think about just being in front of the camera. Think about owning the product. Think about something bigger than what you're thinking about constantly. It's not just about being a reporter. It's about being an author. It's not just about being a basketball player. It's about being a champion. It's not just about being an artist. It's about being an Academy Award winner. These are all things that he had visions of, and it was consistent with who he was from the time that you knew him. Because coming into the NBA, one of the things that had turned him others off about him Initially, he came into the league talking about how he was going to be as great, if not greater, than Michael Jordan one day. And people used to look at him and say, this dude is off of his rocker. His chest is sticking out just a little bit too much. He needs perspective. And then sure enough, when you watched him work and you saw the commitment that he put in, you realized he wasn't playing. He was dead serious. He would win championships. He would take a week or two off and then show back up a week or two later and start working in the summertime at 530 in the morning. This is what he did religiously. When other people were taking vacations, he was studying. When other people were taking breaks, he was working out. That was his entire mentality about anything and everything. And if you were going to be around him and you talked about aspiring to do something, one of the biggest things he would question you about was the work that you were putting in. He would probe, he would interrogate because he wanted to make sure that you were doing what you said that you wanted to do that you were if you were truly aspiring to go after what you were aspiring to go after he wanted to judge what you were doing for yourself to see how seriously he could take that you really meant what you said about really really going for it that was his mentality all of the time and he was that way with teammates he was that way with executives he was that way with league officials he was that way with contemporaries he certainly was that way with me um, along with a bevy of other people that he called friends or called one of his boys or whatever the case may be that was his mentality and all of that shaped black mamba the mamba mentality you either had to adjust to the program or you didn't want to be around him because he wasn't going to change because he knew you he was right and you were probably wrong if you were against him yeah that's uh that's the that's the common um thing that you're hearing today is just how fierce he was of a competitor how competitive he was what a great person he was see he you know what i noticed about kobe and I'm starting right. to realize that he he did a lot of things behind the scenes for other players and as far as, like, helping people that he wouldn't necessarily talk about to the media. Like, there were stories about Lamar Odom, um, Ron Artest, um, a lot of players on his team, and even, even other players like Kyrie Irving said he helped him a lot. Of course, LeBron James, um... Uh, Giannis uh, Antetokounmpo said he he gave a few words uh, yesterday, so it just it just feels like 
Kobe was really in touch with his peers, and he just wanted to help people. Yeah. It was the strangest. He wasn't that person at his playing career, and immediately after, he wasn't that person. So people that know him felt that he was opening up more. He was letting more people know who he was. It, it, it's just how life go, right? Like It's like a movie. You, you, you're a different person as soon as you change, make a turn to do something different in your life, propel yourself to a different uh, stratosphere as far as what you're doing with your life and work, and you're taken out too fast. And it, it, it's funny that he was taken out right when he opened up because if you remember right, the Kobe we knew growing up playing basketball didn't have friends. He didn't help many people. He was very secluded, and that was one of the issues that issues that people actually had with him, even his teammates and people that are uh, his rivals. He didn't open up. He wasn't friendly. He didn't tutor. He didn't mentor. But it seemed like immediately once he retired and his daughters begot, be, became older, he, it seemed like he wanted to be more open to the world and let the world actually into his soul and understand who he was, which was just great. I just... I don't know. I just wish he wasn't taken out, man. You know, he, 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 it hurt. Okay. Like I said, that was my boy. I love Kobe. I love this game. I love the snoring. I love the mama mentality that came on the back half of his career. I love that he won without Shaq. I love that he won with Shaq. I love the feud between him and Phil Jackson. I love what Phil wrote about him in his book. It's just everything about Kobe's career and everything. Everything that he did, I loved. And my boy's gone. It hurts, man. I'm surprised I'm doing this show. I was thinking about not wanting to do the show. And then I said, nah, you know, Cobra, go hard at it. This is what we love. This is what we have to speak on. We plan on doing this show until we're buried. So if we're going to do this show and grow until we're gone, we're going to have a couple of these situations in sports. And it got me thinking, every time someone passes, we can't just not do the show. We have to move on. We have a job to do. And it's a pleasure doing this show with you, man. And, you know, I don't know what more to say, man. Yeah, likewise. It's a a pleasure. That's why I pulled you into this show, because I I felt like you'd be the perfect person for it. And you know what? You know, a lot of dudes think that saying I love you and stuff like that is, like, soft or whatever. You know, and I know – our circle, we definitely don't use those those type of words. I think we all know how we feel about each other, but we definitely don't just come out and be like, yo, dog, I love you, man. So I want to tell you, dog, I love you. I love Mike, Kenji, Gene, all you, all my friends that's listening to this show. I love all y'all. Jay Hall, you know, I can go down a big, long list, man, and I'm guilty of a few things. Like uh, me and my brother don't really talk as much and we don't talk because of stupid reasons. And this whole Kobe thing made me realize, like, man, you need to call this dude up as soon as you get off the show. As soon as we yeah. wrap this up, I'm going to give him a call. Because it's stupid. It's over, like, you know, religious type of things. Things that, just stupid things that brothers shouldn't be not talking to each other over. So yeah. and, and And I let my pride and my brother let his pride. And you know what? And I'm going to mend those fences as soon as we're done. Why not? That, that That's big of you, man. That's big of you because you have to think, man, um, if something happened right now, God forbid, to either of y'all or anyone in your family, the hatchet will be buried, right? You're not going to even care about 
what was going on or what the the the, the dispute was, uh, or who wronged me or who backstabbed me. Those are just superficial feelings. We get caught in our feelings, as you said. Pride is men. We get caught in our pride. Yep. And we want to be the victors. For somehow we want to squeeze out every little win we can, yep. which is petty. And we, we result back to being uh, kids again. And it's something that as grown-ups and adults, we need to cut the bullshit and just be more, love more. But this is going to always be the world's problems and the world issues, right? Loving yeah. each other, yeah. stop hating each other. So it just falls back on to what you can do for your family, your immediate loved ones, and reach out to people that need it. And I encourage anybody else out there, if you have a problem with your mother, your father, your brother, sister, your children, some people haven't talked to their children in a long time. I was listening to the radio. This guy called up to, um, I think it was the Michael K show, and he said he hadn't talked to his parents in over 25 years just because he felt like they made him fat. Now, I don't even know what that means. Wow. Maybe he feels like they fed, overfed him when he was younger. No, no, he always had like snacks in the cupboard and little Exa cookies around, you know? Exactly. He's trying to blame his parents. But, you know, and he's 40-something now. So it's like, come on, man. Maybe let's just say they did give you lots of snacks. It don't. What? That's not stopping you from losing weight now. Like, you no. know, you can't. Sometimes we have issues with people. And the real issue is with ourselves, and we try to project that onto other people, and it just causes a bunch of nonsense. So Yeah, um, yeah. Misery loves company. That's one of the most realest quotes that are, what was ever spoke. Yeah, you're right. When Misery you, loves it. Yeah, when, when you're upset and, and you see other people feeling great and happy, you tend to want to take your horribleness and put it off on them. I've done it. Yeah. I've done it to I, my wife. I humbug. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Me too. I've yeah. done it before. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of times, you know when you're doing it. You just, you, yeah. You're just in a bad mood. You're like, you know what? I don't want, you know, I'm going to make everybody feel horrible. So, yeah, yeah. My fuse is going to be really short today, you yeah. know, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We, we yeah. worry about so much superficial and outlandish stuff as human beings. I don't know. We, we tell our kids to behave and, treat each other right and love each other and then we wake up and go out into society and do total totally the opposite thing of what we re raise our kids to do so we're, we're hypocrites as uh adults and that's why a lot of kids call us out and we tell them shut up they're just kids but um i don't know man i do want to say I, I do i love all y'all y'all know i got love for y'all y'all know too, i love y'all you know it's just 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 life will twist and turn you and wring you out like a towel and Sometimes what's left is nothing. And this is one of those situations where my soul, my heart, my stomach just all feel gutted out. And I know eventually it's something that we'll get over, but it just don't seem like it would be something we would get over. I heard people talking about uh, Thurman Munson. That was his name. I'm saying it yeah, right. Yeah, the baseball player. Yep. You know, yeah. You know, a lot of people grew up on the uh, East Coast loving him. He's a Yankee fan. And and I'm hearing their stories, and I've known his story for a while. I've seen a documentary, The 30 for 30, and um, it just seems like when, when someone's taken so fast and, and, and you're not – at 41, your story shouldn't be over, but it just feels like he had so much more to do, not just living, but so much more to do for people. Yeah. You know, and it just seemed like it's not right. We asked the Lord why, but the Lord don't make mistakes. God doesn't make mistakes. It's for a reason, especially when you hit a three, the three 13 year olds that were taken. Yeah. It just makes you question God. And, but, you know, don't question him. Everything's done for a reason. He wanted them with him and not with us anymore. Yeah, we can't. 
we're, our minds aren't strong enough to try to figure out what it is that God is trying to do or what he's working on. All we got to do is, or what we're supposed to do is have faith and that the plan is working the way the plan is supposed to work. Um, Amen. There's no explanation for it. So, Amen. But with that being said, uh, we're going to get into these commercials, uh, play a little music. We're not going to do the normal hip-hop music today. We're going to play a lot of smooth, mellow, a lot of reflecting type of songs. So if you're looking for a lot of hardcore hip-hop, you're not getting that today. You're going to get... Uh, uh, you can go to YouTube. You got you got stuff you can yeah, go Yeah, go to Spotify <laughs> or whatever. But today, we're, we're, we're mellowed out today. We want to reflect on Kobe, reflect on all our blessings and stuff like that. So... Um, let's get to these commercials and we'll get to some music and, uh, we will be right back. Being a person is complicated. We all have different, sometimes crazy things to deal with, but we figure it out. In fact, people are always doing impressive things. So how come all these people who do wildly challenging things every day feel like they can't do their taxes? We're talking about a bunch of breakfast winning, baby birthing, monster trapping, front seat changing, office discoing, check splitting, tattoo removing, zero gravity toothbrushing, late night chainsaw sculpting, dog walking people. We believe people can be good at anything. Yes, even taxes. into a TurboTax. UFC 247, exclusively on ESPN+. Plus. Lightning quick flyweight champ, Valentina Bullet Shevchenko has her sights set on extending her dominant win streak. Buy it on ESPNplus.com slash PPV. Live from the sports fans only studio, it's Sean Mack with the primetime recap. Right, it's Sean Mack, back with the recap. Recapping the January 22, 2006 game where the Toronto Raptors were on the road visiting the Kobe Bryant-led Los Angeles Lakers. Kobe played 42 minutes. He was 28 of 46 from the field with a field goal percentage of .609. He was 7 of 13 from three-point land, .538 three-point percentage. The Black Mamba went 18 of 20 from the free throw line, good for 90%. In true Kobe fashion, he only had two assists, but he did grab six rebounds with three steals and one block. On that historical night, Kobe Bryant, aka the Black Mamba, scored 81 points to lead the Los Angeles Lakers to a 122-104 victory over the Toronto Raptors. Those 81 points are the most points scored in NBA history, just behind the great Wilt Chamberlain. Alright, it's Sean Mack, back with the recap of the 81-point game of the late, great husband, father, friend, and basketball player, Kobe being Bryant. Mamba out. <laughs> huh. Yo, it's life shit. Yeah. It's life shit is like, it's like, it's bumped the fuck out. Man. For real. See, to live is to suffer. To survive, well, that's to find meaning in the suffering. 
Shit up. See? Can't get up. 
Welcome back to Sports Fans Only with KJ and Sean Mack. Um, Kay, we got to move on. We pay our respects to Cole. We all have heavy hearts. He's going to remain in our hearts, especially in my heart forever. I have the posters. I love him. But we're a sports show, and other things are happening in sports, and we must move on. So we're going to try our best. Let's do it. Super Bowl 54 has been played this Sunday, as we all know, and it got me to thinking about Joe Montana. And he played for the 49ers for 13 years, and he had two years with Kansas City. So I just want to go over some um, overall Joe Montana stats, and um, let's just talk about Joe. We love Joe, and we know what he means to history, but do you think he's respected and given enough uh, given enough respect by people? Uh, it's it's funny that you said that because as you were talking, I'm in my head, I'm like, it feels like Joe Montana is getting lost with history. And the only reason why I say that is you don't hear no young kids talk about Joe Montana. It almost, right? it almost feels like he's just kind of fading off into the background. Now, maybe that's because you don't ever see Joe Montana out in public. No. Sketches commercials. Yeah. you Very rarely do you see him at football games. Um, you don't see him doing too many commercials. So his name isn't relevant. Um, you don't ever really see them doing highlights on ESPN or anything of Joe Montana. I mean, you see Brett Favre highlights, John Elway highlights. You you, you even see some Dan Marino, but I don't know. I, I don't want to call feel it. like he's getting lost. It feels right? like it feels like he's just getting lost in the sauce. And, and well, he's not going to be lost on this show today. So <laughs> let's do a little Joe talk. Um, Joe graduated in Notre Dame in '79 after winning the title. That was my year. I was born. That's also the year of Magic and Bird College. That's just an awesome year, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, after winning, he came into the um, – he was drafted to San Francisco. Let's get to the stats. He played 13 years in San Francisco. He had 2,929 completions with 4,600 attempts. He was 63.7% completion ratio. He had 35,124 yards, 244 touchdowns with 123 interceptions, and he won the four Super Bowls. All right, after being hurt and Steve Young took his spot and he was traded to Kansas City. Seemed like he was there more than two years, but after looking up and doing my homework, he was only there for two years. So um, for Kansas City, he was 480. He had 480 completions versus 791 attempts, Uh, 60.7 completion percent. 5,427 yards, 29 touchdowns, and 16 interceptions. No Super Bowls, but he had brought them to the playoff, which they hadn't been, I think, in over a decade. So that's Joe Montana's stats. The biggest there is the four Super Bowls to me. And what also stands out would be the 35,124 yards in that era. They were technically the first passing team, right? They had the... West Coast offense, which is the birth of George George Seifert, yep. Bill Walsh, yep. actually. Bill Walsh and George Seifert was his assistant coach who went on to coach uh, some of Joe Montana and uh, Steve Young's career. So with that being said, where do you put Joe at? Where, where does he fall? Because to me, he's the greatest. I actually, I'm, I'm starting to come around and say maybe Brady is better than Joe, but... <laughs> With, with the more scandals that the Patriots have <laughs> that comes up, it makes me say, damn, but Joe did it the pure way. Kind of like how uh, in baseball, right? 
Kate Griffey did it the pure way, and then you have Salsa, Bonds, and Maguire yeah. who kind of tainted, right? So yeah. that's what it's starting to come to me. But if you took away all of the negativity and the things that the Patriots and had the media, I would honestly say yes. Yes, Brady's better. But as of now, I still have to go with Joe. He has the four. He did it pure. He's the inventor of the offense, the modern offense. So what do you think about Joe? Just Some look, people say that he's just overrated, too, because he was surrounded by talent. I just wanted to get that out the way. Yeah, well, seeing your face as you were sitting there saying that Brady might possibly be better than Joe Montana, that was priceless. It was, it was like you were trying to get it out, but you didn't want it to come out, but you let it come out, and uh, that was beautiful. I like that. Um, now, as far as Joe Montana, like, like you just said, um, he definitely had more talent for a longer period of time on offense than Tom Brady ever did. And you know what? I'm starting to just come to the conclusion that it was a different era. Now, if Joe Montana yeah. played now, his numbers would definitely hands down be higher than they were back then. I don't think he ever threw for 40 touchdown passes. He might no. not he might no. not have even had 35. I'm I mean, I'm not let me let me just double check real quick. Let, yeah, let's he, see. Well, at, at San Francisco, he only had 244 in 13 years. Yeah, see, that's that's crazy. That's an average only twenty something, twenty something a year, twenty five, maybe yeah. twenty six. So, I'm not stupid enough to think that if he played in like uh, right now, um, he wouldn't have way better stats. I'm 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 more the. I'm never gonna say Joe Montana is better than Tom Brady. There's just no <laughs> there's no there's no evidence to back that up. But I will say I think they're on the same level playing field. I think if you take Joe Montana, you put him on the Patriots with Bill Belichick and all those coaches they had, I think Joe Montana does the same thing Brady does. You take Brady, you put him on those San Francisco teams, I think Brady does the same thing Joe Montana does. There's not too many other quarterbacks that I can say if you switched them, that both quarterbacks would basically do the same thing they did for their for their old team. So I'm not going to yeah. say Brady's better than Joe Montana, but in the same breath, I'm not going to say Montana's better than Brady. I think they are the most evenly, just everything, arm strength. You know what? Now that you mention it, we can pair, but we don't really grasp our heads around and say, well, do we compare? You got me actually thinking about it now, not just number-wise, but who they were and would you do the switch thing, like you said, with teams. Yeah. And you're you're 100% right. Now that I think about it, they're carbon copies of each other. Yeah, the same. Like, if you, took, if you took Farben and switched him with Brady, he's going to be throwing all type of interceptions. Exactly. Belichick's going to lose his mind. Yep, so, exactly. Yeah, you're right. No, I think, I think those two are – and I think that's uh, by design because just like Kobe wanted to mirror Jordan, uh, Brady wanted to mirror Joe Montana. That was his favorite – quarterback and he wanted to be like Joe Montana so you see the whole didn't he, didn't he want to be a 49er yeah he wanted to be a 49er that's why all the rumors of him possibly going to 49ers kind of went out the window when Garoppolo went there but that was one of the destinations I remember a couple of years ago people were saying you know if he doesn't sign back with the Patriots because uh Brady and the Patriots went through this a couple of years ago before he signed a short contract so people were saying he might go to the 49ers before they traded Garoppolo there but um, yeah. um, I don't know if you saw this. This actually just came out two hours ago. This is on NFL.com. And, what? Uh, Joe Montana's advice to Tom Brady. His And, and I'm going to read a little bit of this. Um, okay. So Joe Montana, he recalls switching teams late in his career 
which Montana did uh, when the San Francisco 49ers traded him to the Kansas City Chiefs in the spring of 1993. The four-time Super Bowl champion says it's an experience he wouldn't wish to anyone. Are you surprised to hear that? He's basically saying he wished he wouldn't win. I mean, he said, I wouldn't wish that experience on anybody to get to go to a, another team that late in your career. But um, Yeah, I think that's more of a hit towards the... Huh. I think that's more of a hit towards the organization, right? Maybe so. Well, let me let me finish reading this real quick. Okay. Um, and so he says, yes, and this includes six-time Super Bowl champ Tom Brady, who is contemplating a departure from the New England Patriots as he closes in on unrestricted free agency in March. Um, Joe Montana says it's not easy to go to go to another team and get accepted, no matter how much success you've had and how many years you've played. Montana told me last Friday. Um, they still want you to see you come in and be the same player and be that loyal to the team as you were to the other team you just left. So it's not easy for the guys looking at that change. So he's basically saying, okay, it's, it's more context. I understand. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, he's basically saying, you know, once you go to this new team, after you've been with one team for so long, the guys that you're going to are expecting you to play like the old so Montana was like, these guys are expecting me to play like the old Joe Montana. Yeah, not realize, and have loyalty, right? And, and have mentioned loyalty. Exactly, to, you know, all those different things. And I, he's basically saying, you know, listen, I'm loyal to the 49ers. I'm here because they traded me, but, you know, it's not the same situation. So I think Joe Montana himself had issues with that. And he's pretty much telling Brady, listen, if you don't have to go, if it's not Dang. something they're forcing you to do, you're going to be much happier staying in New England. And I also didn't know that the quarterback's coach for the 49ers, he actually ended up going to the Chiefs, and he was the one calling the plays back then. So Joe Montana was saying that as far as the offense goes, he said, I knew 75% of the offense already. It's not like, well, Brady would have to go there and learn a whole new offense or something like that. So what do you think about that? Uh, Joe Joe seemed a little... Well, I guess Joe's just letting him letting Brady know if you're not pushed out the door, just stay. And yeah. <laughs> and if you remember, Steve Young was staring straight down the barrel at Joe's job. Yep. And the 49ers actually went with Steve Young. I was a San Francisco fan at that time. I was young. And uh, I was a say from New Orleans. We talked about this. New Orleans suck, had the bags on their head. So I had to find some type of winning. <laughs> I had to be a winner some way. So I went with the San Francisco 49ers. They were in the same division at that time. And um, I, I, I had to, I don't know what to say. Joe, Joe's right. But, but you can't tell him not to because I think Joe's kind of in the same situation that Brady was in. Vice versa. Brady's in the same situation that Joe was in. I don't think New England wants him anymore. Yeah, as much as I want you to be wrong, I think you're right. I think they don't want to fall into that same thing that the Packers fell into, to where yeah. they were just sitting around waiting. All right, when are you going to retire, dude? Like, come on, man, we got to move on. And what's crazy is they don't have a Rogers or a Steve Young. See, that's the thing. That's why they should have did it when Garoppolo. Yeah. And it's like they almost messed up. Now you're almost forced to keep him because who? Yeah. When are you just going to hand the hand the team over to? Some backup quarterback who's never done anything, like yeah, like we spoke on. What, what, what would they have to do? We spoke about this a few weeks ago. They would have to give up the house, yep, plus the backyard and the cars and the swimming pool, yep, to get a, a good quarterback, yep. 
That's yep. you know that can bridge the gap. You just honestly, you're just looking for someone to bridge the gap now, right? Yep. That's Brady's what... gonna go out. You need someone to come in and bridge the gap until you get another superstar that's young. No way you're gonna get a young superstar now. So no. Got to no. go get a little veteran. Yep. And bridge the gap. The thing is, I don't think even with that veteran, the Patriots are gonna actually lose enough to get that draft pick. No, I don't. I think you're right. And but let me let me just throw this at you. I'm going to name yeah. a couple of quarterbacks, and you tell me if you think they could be successful and be a playoff team. Uh, right. Andy Dalton. Oh, that hurts. You're yeah. probably like, what are you talking about? Yeah, what? Well, you, you said let me throw something at you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so well, let's, let's skip past him. So you think, his, you think his NFL days are done? You don't think he'll ever be a starting quarterback again? Oh yeah, but not you don't need him. Okay. Not, he's going to come down and look terrible. Yeah, he's he probably will. Pick. You don't have y'all don't have the receiving call. No, no, give me, give me yeah, one. Right. We don't have an AJ Green. Um, Nick Foles. Yeah, I think they can do some things with Nick because I don't think Jacksonville is going to keep him. I think they're going to stick with uh, Minshew or whatever his name is. Minshew face. Yeah, man, a little little mustache face. But, mustache face. <laughs> but yeah, I think they're going to keep him. So I think Nick Nick Foles would be an option. Yeah, um, he's serviceable. He's going to give you what you need. If he stays healthy, he won't turn the ball over a lot. He's going to um, stay within the system, and he's going to make throws when he needs to make them and try not to throw picks. So he's Belichick would love to have Nick Foles, guarantee you. Nick Foles, I, I was I was trying to contemplate Cam Newton, but I don't think he's going anywhere now because that Kyle, uh, what was his name, Kyle Allen? He, yeah. uh, he stunk it up the last part of the season, so I don't think Cam's going anywhere now. I think he's staying. That would be good, though. I think Belichick could make that work, too. Uh, yeah, I definitely think he could make it work. That's who I was hoping for. And then um, – there was one more quarterback out there. Of course, the Colin Kaepernick thing is never going to happen. Um, no, we might as well just give that up. Yeah, that's that's done. But outside of those, that's pretty much it for NFL quality starting quarterbacks. You know, you always got the backups, but yeah, um, we're not looking for a backup. So I don't know. I'm gonna have to ponder on that for for a few seconds. Um, yeah, y'all, 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 that team. The Patriots are like in limbo right now. Yeah. I don't I don't know what they're gonna do. I know Belichick's gonna make the best decision for the squad, which yeah. means he's not gonna get personal feelings and mushy feelings involved, right? He's gonna stick what's best for the team. So yeah. it's gonna be a good decision made. I just don't know where it's gonna be and what are they actually aiming out for. I'm confused. Yeah, I'm 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 totally confused. And if Brady comes back, then the problem is solved, but you still that probably would still be his last year. Yeah, right? definitely, definitely will be. So you're still back to square one, no matter how you look at it. Yeah, it's tough, man. It's tough, and um, but he got the best advice. Who else? Who else advice you gonna listen to? If not Joe Montana, and who? Then then who you gonna listen to? I mean, so, he's literally almost in the same situation. Same situation. I say, if I was Brady, I'd be like, you know what? I'll play for base, not free, but I'll play for really cheap. Get me some players in here so I can win one more, so I can just ride out to the sunset. But yeah, yeah, you know, even hearing that, he might have problems with what they're offering, and I'm like, come on, dude, you have enough money. You want to yeah, win or not? Exactly. Win or not? Like, come on. <laughs> Don't be. Drew Brees is gonna tell again too. We talked. You spoke on this a few weeks ago about Drew Brees. Yeah. It's gonna be a determining factor on who he really is. Is he really about that money, or is he really about winning? Because if the Saints offer him something what he what he feels is a low offer and he's like no i don't want to give back that mean you just you're, you're pretty much checked out you're just ready to get the check yeah that's exactly what that is and no i forgot about them i shit i i take teddy bridgewater or drew Brees. yeah 
Would but, you take Taysom Hill? I think uh, Billichet would like him. I think I think Bill because it would be like a project for him. Yeah, I think he would yeah. love to build him up and win a Super Bowl with somebody like that. Because then you would yep. have to say it was all Billichet, which I think yeah. that's what he's looking for. He he's looking for a project he could work on to where everybody's like, yeah, Bill Belichick did this, not not Tom Brady. So, or, so what you're saying is Belichick is looking in his next phase to bring along a quarterback that most people wouldn't expect him to win with. Just so he can say, I was the determining factor behind all of those championships, not Tom Brady. Yeah, I think that's his last his last uh, thing he wants to conquer in the NFL, to win a gotcha. championship without Brady. It was actually another inch. Hey, you know what? Let, let's go to this commercial break real quick. Um, and then I want to come back and ask you something about Drew Bledsoe. I saw a very interesting uh, article where they were saying, if Drew Bledsoe never gets hurt, do the Patriots still win the Super Bowls that they won? Well, just don't don't answer now. Um, I'm about to go to this commercial break, and uh, when I come back, I want you to answer that question for me. So uh, we'll be right back. Just a few ticks left on the clock. Lillard checking the inbox. He's got to open up a new draft. Got to be careful with typos and punctuation here. There's no time to edit and resend. And send. Another gorgeous buzzer-beating email. Just remarkable. Can't guard me, I'm telling you. <laughs> Hello, son. Doing a little sporting, I see. Dad, not cool. You know it's not uncool? Old Spice After Hours. It whisks sweat away into the night with jazz. Dad, I prefer ultra smooth. They handle sweat without all that jazz. Let's settle this over a game of... Don't say it. Don't say what? Horse. That's my boy.
Good morning to all you sports fans tuning in this pleasant winter morning. I hope everyone had a great night's sleep last night. Our job here at Sports Fans Only is to get you off to work in good spirits to project those positive vibes and make your day amazing. That's what we do. That's just what we do. Well, enough messing around. Let's get to this five-day weather report. Tuesday, January 28th, will be a partly cloudy day, a high of 44 degrees and a low of 31 degrees. Wednesday, January 29th, will be sunny with a high of 44 degrees and a low of 26 degrees. Thursday, January 30th, will be mostly cloudy with a high of 38 degrees and a low of 30 degrees. Friday, January 31st, will be partly cloudy with a high of 46 degrees and a low of 34 degrees. And Saturday, February 1st, we'll have some showers, a 40% chance of precipitation with a high of 46 degrees and a low of 34 degrees. Before we leave, we want to send our condolences to the Bryan family. Your loss is felt worldwide. RIP, Kobe. You're now listening to KJ and Sean Mack. Now let's talk some damn sports. Welcome back to the show. When we left off, uh, last we were talking was about uh, Drew Bledsoe and the New England Patriots and whether or not I thought, I put the question out there, whether or not I thought that Drew Bledsoe would have, I don't know if I want to say he would have won as many Super Bowls, but do you think he would have won a few, a couple of Super Bowls if he never would have got hurt? What do you think? Uh, Let's see what the facts are. Um, He was a pro bowler. He did guide them to a Super Bowl against Brett Favre in Green Bay, right? Yeah. Favre's only Super Bowl. So we know he can reach a Super Bowl. Uh, A few years later is when he got hurt, or was it the next year? It was the next year, right? No, it was a few years later. They went to the Super Bowl in 96, I want to say. Six. And then they didn't go back again. He didn't get hurt until the year the Patriots beat the St. Louis Rams. So that was 2001 or 2000. It was either 2000 or 2000. Might have been 2000. So that that was like five years. Either later. way, either way. And it was. Um, a, and it was that a... team was getting better. I... No, go ahead. Yeah, I believe that that uh, offense, well, that defense was getting better, right? Uh, your Brewskis, your McGinnis, uh, a few other Todd Law, they were rounding into shape to be vets to make the playoff run that they made, that they were on when Drew got hurt. So to answer your question, I believe he would have maybe won one or two Super Bowls, maybe had two Super Bowl appearances. So I guess, yes, he wouldn't have won as many as time, I don't think. But you never know. Belichick might have had the right system. He might have started uh, taping video at that time. So it might have worked out for Drew as well. <laughs> yeah, I want to – I just – I don't know. Because the year before, um, a lot of people – Yeah, don't, what do you think? What do you think? The, the year before, a lot of people don't remember. But the Patriots had a losing season the year before. Belichick's first season he was actually on the hot seat the second season the second season is the season that Tom Brady came in so up until the point I think Bledsoe got knocked out by the Jets it was uh Mo what was that linebacker's name he played for the Jets it was Mo something I forget his last name but um he's the one who hurt Drew Bledsoe 
And they were like two and three or two and four at the time. And a lot of people were speculating whether or not Belichick would even make it through the whole year. So Brady pretty much came in and saved the day. Now, I'm not saying Drew Bledsoe couldn't have turned it around that year. But, um, yeah, it wasn't looking good. They were two and four. They were losing to the Jets that game when he got knocked out. Brady brought us back and we won. But um, I would like to say in Drew Bledsoe's defense, that year Brady got hurt in the playoffs and Bledsoe had to come in against the Pittsburgh Steelers and he actually won that game for us. We actually won that game pretty easily to get to the Super Bowl and Belichick decided to put him back in the game for the Super Bowl. But I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence. I don't know. I don't know. People forget that, that, that he actually won that game in the playoffs. Now, if they lose that game, do you think it's a possibility Drew can fight for his spot back? It's possible because now Brady doesn't win that Super Bowl. And now he's just the Mm -hmm. backup quarterback who came in and filled in for Bledsoe. So, you never know. He might have been mm-hmm. Bledsoe could have kept his starting title if, if that because he got traded after that year. Yeah, he, he got traded to uh, Buffalo uh, that yeah. off, that off yeah. season. So, I mean, that's a, that's going to show you one small detail can change everything in life, right? Everything. We might not even know who Tom Brady is if Bledsoe doesn't get hurt because he was a franchise quarterback. Yep. And if I'm yeah. not, yeah, yeah, he was getting paid the big bucks. He was. Just, he was a pro bowler. He was um, he had led the team to a Super Bowl. Him and the big tuna, Bill Parcells. I think it just took uh, Belichick some time to adjust to the new roster and get some guys in there that he wanted because he was playing pretty much with uh, Bill Parcells' roster, which most of that roster was still intact when they won the Super Bowl. Yeah, they were. They were still intact. Uh, there's a couple of players that weren't. Uh, let's see, Curtis Martin, he had went off to the Jets. Um, Ben Coates, he retired. He was the tight end when uh when yeah. he went to the Super Bowl. It was more the defense that was the same, yeah, right? The defense, the, the defense, the was defense. Same. yeah. Because I think Terry Glenn at that point had already left. Like when the Patriots won their first Super Bowl, I don't think Terry Glenn was there anymore. So there was a lot of turnover on the offensive side from '96 to 2001. But um, yeah, that's a, that's that's a good question. I always wondered would Bledsoe because he he put up some pretty good years in Buffalo. That next year, I think he guided them to the playoffs, if I'm not mistaken. That was like one of the last times they went to the playoffs until recently. And yeah. and when they went down to Dallas, I don't think they made the playoffs, but he had some decent years down there. So he was always a pretty good starting quarterback. But um, Yeah, he was. He was. Off to the next topic, uh, Maya Moore. You had a story you wanted to, you wanted to kind of shed a light on Maya Moore's story? Yeah, it, the story confuses me, but, well, let's get into the story. Um, Maya Moore of the Minnesota Lynx, which um, she was a champion at UConn. She was a champion in the WNBA, played eight years in the WNBA. She's sitting out for her second straight year to work on prison reform and the release of Jonathan Irons, who's a man she believes is innocent of a crime for which he was sentenced to prison for. So in, in in layman's terms, what happened is Maya Moore, a star in the WNBA, if not the biggest star next to Della Don, is choosing to sit out for a second season to work on prison reform. And 
the overall prison reform and for a guy that she believes that's innocent named Jonathan Irons. And as we all know that the system, the jail system is, it's a rough system. You know, just because you're a criminal and you've possibly done some wrong in your life, uh, you should not be treated bad. You should not be looked up on and spit up on and beat. So everyone needs to be treated fairly. And we know in the prison system, a lot of athletes and singers and celebrities, just like your Kim Kardashians and certain people like that are fighting for prison reform. So it's a good thing that she's hands-on. It's a good thing that she's trying to bring attention to the misjustices that are being done in prison to prisoners. Now, my question is this. Do you think she actually have to quit playing basketball to do that? Can't she do both? Yeah, that makes me wonder if maybe the passion to keep playing isn't there anymore. She also said she wanted to get into ministry, too. I think religion is a big part of this as well. And she said she wanted to. Now, I don't know if she's traveling and she's doing um, missionary type work, but she definitely mentioned her religion and, like you said, the prison reform. But, yeah, I don't know why. It's not like the WNBA season is that long. Um, That's what I was just thinking. I don't understand. Now, I can understand not because most of these women, after the WNBA season's over, most of them go to overseas to play. They play in like. And that's where they make the bulk of their money. Now, I can understand if she said, you know what, I don't want to do that no more, but I still, I'm going to play in the States. And I think it's like a 30-something game season. It's about as long as a college season, the WNBA season. So I'm not really too sure why. When I first heard this story, honestly, I was like, is she in love with this dude? Is this one of these stories where she met somebody and she's – or is she just strictly doing this because she heard about the story and and she just wants to help out? Do you know if she is she involved yeah. with involved with this guy or you don't know? Not that I know of. I haven't heard anything of it. When they report it, they don't uh, report it in such a manner. But it's it's confusing to me too. I, I understand what she wants to do and what she wants to reform. But what I don't understand is why do you have to stop playing ball to do it? Now I'm not knocking her. I don't want anyone to get the wrong message that I'm sending that you don't have to choose one over the other. I'm just pondering the thought. Like you mentioned, are they involved? That's what your mind went to. It has to be something more to the story than just what we're getting out of reports on the news, right? I'm confused a little bit. No, it has to be because she had a lot of endorsement deals. And, you know, she she was in the middle of a contract. Now, I was surprised that she's just able to up and do that. I'm surprised that uh, Minnesota... The Minnesota Lynx, I think. Yeah, the Lynx. I'm yep, su- the Lynx. I'm surprised them or the, the uh, WNBA, they don't try to – I mean, I guess – I don't know. Maybe the WNBA is not on the level where they're going to bother. Because I think – are they owned by NBA teams, these WNBA teams? Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they just won a settlement. Well, I don't know if it's a settlement, but they opened up um, contract talks again, and they, they actually won some settlements for what they needed. One was uh, maternal leave. So now they, which I don't understand why they wouldn't be getting paid for maternal leave anyway, but yeah. now that they can get paid for maternal leave, their uh, insurance is much better. And I think the rate of pay has, has went up a little bit, but the rate of pay really wasn't the main thing that they were fighting for. It was more for the um, maternity leave and certain other um, insurance policy issues that they were having with the uh, head of the WNBA. Well, see, this is things like this make me 
say this is why you guys don't and I, let me say not 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 you guys i don't, I don't want to sound sexist but yeah please don't the, this in my opinion this is why certain i think uh not advertisers uh endorsers people who endorse athletes WNBA themselves aren't willing to ante up the type of money that they're fighting for because of things like this like you don't want your star player. Now I understand pregnancy comes along with being a woman and I'm not saying you shouldn't have maternal leave and stuff like that. But what I'm saying is when you're in the middle of a contract for your star player to just up and leave like that, that hurts the business, doesn't it? Isn't that a Yeah, you know I never thought about the side of the organization and what type of influx that it actually puts on them. Exactly. Just, I never I never thought about it. You're right. Like you're the, right. The economics like Think about it. Maya Moore right now. I'm pretty sure there's thousands of little girls who wanted to go see the Minnesota Lynx because of Maya Moore. Now, the fact that she just decided to up and leave for two years, I mean, you would just automatically assume that ticket sales are going to hurt a little bit because there's no Maya Moore out there no more. So yeah, I'm just surprised that these teams don't try to recoup that money somehow or I don't know. Are there contracts guaranteed? Like, I wonder is she getting paid right now? I mean, are they? St- is she still getting a salary even though she's not playing? Or oh, I would. I don't know, but I would. I would have to guess offhand. No, right? If you you can't be there for two years and still get paid. Yeah, and I guess she's forfeiting all her salary. And then uh, again, unless I mean, two years—that's a long time to just say. You but know I, w- I was thinking maybe she was making it up by playing in the European leagues. That's what I was thinking. I was like, okay, maybe the time that she's in a WNBA that she would be playing, she's taking that time and focusing on prison reform, but she can make it up maybe, I don't know, between, uh, let's say, September and December with playing in the European League where they make more money anyway. Most of WNBA players actually play in two different leagues, so I I don't know. That's a great point, though. She probably, You know what? She's probably going to sacrifice the WNBA to take care of you know, she's probably like, while I'm in the States, I don't want to be playing basketball all the time. I want to spend time with my family. So when I do go off to Europe and I'm making way more money, I can dedicate my time to that and still make all the money I want. And But when I'm home, I get to really have an off season. So you're right. Maybe, maybe that's what it is. It actually makes sense. So Yeah. I, it's I, a good balance if you're doing it in the manner of what we're thinking. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, because if she doesn't do that, women probably play basketball year-round, nonstop. It's probably yeah, like a nonstop yeah. cycle year round. So, um, oh, but you I'll, know, definitely shots out to Maya Moore though. Uh, you can't really, we, we can question maybe you know what's really going on, but it's 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 a good thing that she's helping out the prison, the prisoners, and the reforming of prison because it needs to be done. We 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 we, we in America actually treat our prisoners horrible. We talked about this before, Keith. Uh, rehabilitation. If you're not going to rehab someone in jail and you let them out in five to ten years, you're just letting another criminal out on the street. So these guys are going in light criminals, hardcore criminals, and you have your medium criminals, white-collar crime criminals. If they're going to go in as a criminal per se, they need to come out and be rehabilitated so they can merge into society and just easily fit in and find a notch that they can work and become more of a, um, a better citizen for the country. So, you know, it all, it all, it all helps everyone, right? When it comes down to it, if someone's a criminal, when they get out, they should be reformed and they should be able to get a job and move on with their lives. Yeah. But you can't do that when you're not getting reformed. You're actually going in worse than when you came out. Yeah. Make no mistake. What she's doing is a great, great thing. We need more people to, 
to hop in and help out and you know celebrities like that they hold a lot of weight in the in the public eye so we need a lot more people to do it so I don't want anybody to misconstrue what I'm saying she's doing a great job I was just wondering how somebody of her stature and her elite level of basketball players that she is is able to just step away like that I just feel like it kind of hurts the game she's doing a great thing but if you're trying to build the the women's brand having your best player or your top She's definitely a top two player in the league. Um, yeah. You know, you don't want her disappearing for two years. But um, just since the whole Kobe thing just happened and we're talking about the WNBA, um, I don't know if we discussed this. Um, Kobe said before his untimely passing, this was just recently, I think last week or something like that, he had said that there's three WNBA players right now, in his opinion, now this is the Black Mamba saying this, in his opinion, there's three WNBA players that can play in the NBA right now. And the three players that he said was Diana Taurasi, uh, Maya Moore, and uh, Della Dome. He said right now they yeah. can come off the bench for an NBA team and give, <clears throat> give you eight to ten points a game. What What do you say to that? When I first heard the comment, I thought uh... – yeah, maybe maybe the knife man on the bench, <laughs> the guy who waves the towel. So, but now that guy that waves the towel and help people with water can actually go anywhere else in the world and straight up murder people on the basketball court. So what? I'm not saying that the eighth person isn't that good, but they could possibly make a roster. But I have to be true. If any of them was given a roster spot on an NBA team, I would consider that they're wasting a spot on a less talented player because it's someone else with more talent that's out there that lost a job due to them. You th- see, wow, you went there. <laughs> I see. I, 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 when I first heard this, I was like, he, he's just playing, right? He's not being serious. But then he's doing it for his daughter, giving her, giving her ammunition to want to be the best. That's may, all. Maybe so, but he made some good points. He said the type of defense that's played today, you can't get physical with nobody. They're gonna call a foul on you. So he's saying you telling me that Diana Taurasi couldn't spot up and make a few three pointers during the course of a game, and he, he yeah, was, who she's gonna, but who she is gonna, who is she gonna check? That now that that's the problem. I think he was more or less talking and about they, offensively. And if, and yeah, but let's say they have the ball, you throw a mean hard press at him. That, that they're gonna get that ball out of her. Uh, I don't, yo, I don't, yo, Maya Moore, she. I think they're deceptively fast. Like, when you see them on TV, they might look slow, but you get them in front of you. I don't think – see, I don't know, man. Diana Taurasi. They're they're fast for the people that they're playing with. Well, yeah, that's true. But like I said, if you took the – right, you know, they're fast for the people that they're playing against. But if you took the guy from the eighth spot on the bench and told him to to play, he would would destroy them. Yeah. See, see, I was looking at somebody like – Cause you know, back in the day, you had um, I got to go back to the nineties. Um, Rex Chapman, right? How tall was he? Uh, six three, six four. Six three, six four. And Della Doan is about six five, six six. You don't think six six? She 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 might be able to play a few minutes, but who is she checking? She can't check none of the big guys. They can nah. get too physical. And if she came out to the line, yeah, those little fast. point guards, man, ima- imagine what uh, Trey Young would do to her. Yeah. They're, you know what it is? They're just not quick enough. I think I think that's more or less what it is. I mean, Kobe really felt yeah. that, but maybe, you know what, I think maybe he was just giving his daughter, he was just building confidence in her. 
That must have been yeah. what that was because you're right. I wasn't thinking about the defensive side. Offensively, I think they could hold their own offensively. I think they could make some dudes look stupid. But yeah, <clears throat> defensively, you're right. They're not going to be able to stick anybody. They ain't gonna if be able if to... you put them in like an all-star game type of format, then yeah, they could score just as many points as anybody, yeah, right, in, yeah. the, in, in, in an all-star type of game. Like an exhibition So type I of... agree that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it can be done. But what's going to really happen when the meat and the potatoes come in? It's like playoff time, <laughs> and you really need to win. You're not going to even have them on the floor. Nah, you wouldn't because they're not going to then. It's not, they're not going to give you no rebounds. They can't. Yeah. Nope. It's, it's just, yeah, it wouldn't work. I, I get what he was trying to do, but, yeah, you talk some sense into me. Because I was leaning toward I was like, well, if the Mamba's saying it, let me let me uh, try to see what he's talking about. But you bring up the whole daughter aspect. So I think you're right. That's what he was trying to do. Just build a little confidence in his daughter and just, you know, you could be yeah. whatever you want to be type of thing. Yeah. 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 You know, climb the mountain, try to get to the top. You know, in your mind, you're not going to make it, but deep inside, you're going to try a hundred percent, but settling for 75 is still better than nothing. Very true. Let me bounce this off you real quick. Do you yeah. think the women's game would be better if, they lowered the rim to eight, no, not eight feet, nine feet. So where they could dunk just like the men. No, you, you still don't think it would no. make it. Like if they, if you seeing women coming down the lane and just dunking on people like, you know, LeBron James or you know, but if you made the rim like eight and, eight, I mean they already made the ball smaller, yeah. the three point yeah. lines shorter. Yeah, yeah, but but then then you're like downgrading them. You're kind of like you're making a mockery of the game if you do that. <laughs> You, right, the, it's if, like it's like it's like it's it's like when I was young, Kay, and I before I played, I played Biddy, uh-huh. and I was so good in Biddy, I actually played a um, like ten and eleven. I played Biddy, but I was destroying these kids so much on this little goal. They was like, uh, "We're gonna have to let you play AAU with the just regular guys." So at the age of eleven, I started playing with twelve and thirteen year olds. Oh, okay. and when I left. Biddy, I would go to some of the games they played before us. So I go into the gym early. I'm a gym rat. And I'm watching these young guys play and I'm laughing. I'm like, man, this is a mockery of the game. They actually used to play on a goal that was hung on another goal. I remember so, those. You know, so I could dunk it. Yeah, remember those? No, I, know, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> when you move away from Biddy and you go into the next step of AAU, you realize, man, that's just for kids. It's just a mockery. It's something we do. We let them play. So, you know, we let them play, and that's just what it'll feel like to me. So, okay, so you, so women dunking and women um, doing all types of like dunk contests, dunk contests and stuff like that, that wouldn't interest you. Yeah, I would be very interest, interested, but it it it, it wouldn't be a game. It'll yeah. be like I don't know. You know what it's similar? It would be similar like how they say in college basketball, football, you have four quarters that all resemble football. And then, ha- and then overtime come, and now you're playing a game that it seems like me and you and our friends would have made up in the backyard to win an actual real game. <laughs> it, it kind of make a mockery of the game. I so see. once you drop the goals that low, it's like you're making a mockery of the game. We're just going to make something up to make people feel good. Yeah, now. that's true. But I see what you're saying. On the sports fan side, we would love it. Like, like We would love it. Yeah, like just to build the brand because – I think they've gotten the WNBA as high as they're going to get it. They've actually cut out. They've taken out a bunch of teams. There used to be way yeah. more teams than there are now. There's only like 
And there's less games. And there's less games. And they're not being played in big arenas no more. Yeah, they don't even play in the NBA. Like the WNBA, uh, like the, the Liberty, right? The Liberty don't play. Oh, I'm sorry. That's my fault. The Liberty don't play in the guard anymore. Where do they play? They play like the uh, college or something like that? No, no. They play where that, uh, like the Juco Knicks games are played. Oh, okay. Oh, with like the G League. What What is that called? The G- yeah, the G League. But yeah. I, think, I forget what the name of the Knicks are called. The something Knicks. Their yeah. G League team, like it's like, uh, it seems a- like a big arena. Gym type of thing. It's not a regular gym, but it seemed like it's a gym connected to a mall. Yeah, I don't like, know what it is. It's in, but... uh, it's in Westchester. It's in White Plains, I think, actually, where they play at. Yeah, I think that's where they play at now. That's crazy. I know one thing. You're gonna have to get some medicine, man. You you sounding worse and worse as the minutes go by. Your voice is. Yeah, yeah I'm like I'm like I'm like a, I'm like the Dracula. Like the sun go down, and now I'm like everything. Every bit of liquid in me is just leaking out of every orifice. So yes. I, I don't know what to do. It sounds like you got two tree stumps in your nose. Like you can't, I can't hear nothing <laughs> that you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. You know, I got it sick from the wife coming from vacation. She got something in the Florida Keys and brought it back here. And I'm like, damn you. But uh, a lot from my eyes is from Kobe as well. Like it just, it just took its toll on me. But I can tell you this, Kate. I was, um, thinking about in between segments uh how therapeutic this actually was for me sometimes you can't predict or see the future or what's going to happen but um i needed to get out and talk about colby not just watch tv not just talk to my brother or talk to you and the other fellas over text i i needed something i didn't know what it was i kept waiting for it to hit me and to come out of my shell of being shocked and when we did the first segment and later as we got into the show, I realized this is what I needed. I needed the therapy of talking, getting it out, getting my feelings out, getting my emotions out, and just speaking on the greatness of the late, great Kobe Bryant. So even though this show was hard for us, we fought through. It got easier as the show went. I just wanted to say it was really great being on the show with you today for therapeutic reasons. And I think I'm good now. I think I can go back to watching TV. I think I can go back to playing some games. I actually just bought a new game for the PS4 while I was out. I bought a game called Control. Oh, for real? Yeah. What is that, yeah, what is that about, about? It's about the government underworld of uh, people with like telekinesis and things like that. And like they're fighting to get back control of the world per se. And she has like certain powers telepathy and uh, telekinesis and she can move things with her mind and I read the back of the thing I haven't even been playing a lot of games lately a little basketball here and there 2k but I saw it and I thought about this can actually give me a peace and calm just need to get away from everything it's nothing more I can gain from watching Kobe uh, the ceremonies and the tributes the only thing I can get out of it now is more sadness so with that being said Kobe the late great Kobe Bryant we miss you and doing this show with you was very therapeutic to get it out of my system. Thank you. Yeah, sometimes you just need to talk talk and venting and just getting all these thoughts that are swimming in your head just to get them out there on the table. And everybody yeah. just talk, you, you share ideas, and, you know, everybody wants to go through their little moment of why or how and all that. But once you get through all that, you know, you realize this is life, and this is what happens in life. It doesn't matter if you're a celebrity. It doesn't matter if you're – the president or just the regular, the average Joe, or it doesn't matter. Anytime. Or if you're a 13 year old kid. Exactly. It doesn't matter. The uh, death 
death does not wait for age or anything like that. You know, when it's your time, I truly believe in certain instances, instances, I don't, I don't, I'm still wrestling with, uh, this was Kobe's time to go. Cause I, I just, I just feel like if they just didn't, was it just, yeah, it would, they basically said, it's not good for you to be flying. And somebody made the decision to still fly. That is why we don't have Kobe Bryant anymore. I don't know whose decision that was, but that fatal decision is what cost that man his life. But uh, rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. He'll never be forgotten. NBA legend, great father, great husband, great family man, just a great icon, all around great dude, Mamba, Mamba mentality. Just everybody mentality, baby. That. And that's what we're going to roll with, and that's the type of attitude we're going to use and bring to the show and everything we do, show life with our kids, with our with our wives, just go all out, Mamba mentality. So um, that's the end of the show. Um, you got anything else you want to say before we get out of here? Yeah, anything else you got to say? Because on three, we need the Mamba out together, baby. Yeah, let's do it on three. One, on two, three. One, two, two three. three. Mamba out. Mamba out. Peace. Peace. In fast food, there's value. Then there's fresh value from Subway. Fresh value is just $2.99 for the 6-inch oven-roasted chicken. Seasoned all-white meat chicken raised without antibiotics. Fresh value is the $2.99 6-inch veggie delight with hand-cut veggies and freshly baked bread. Fresh value is freshly prepared for you, like the new Subway sliders starting at just $1.89. There's something for everyone. That's fresh value only from Subway. I've always been running to meetings, errands. Now I'm running for me. I've always dreamed of seeing the world, but I'm not chasing my dream anymore. I made a financial plan to live it every day. There was a dream. One day I could see it. At Northwestern Mutual, our version of financial planning helps you live your dreams today. Find a Northwestern Mutual advisor at nm.com. Really gonna miss you. It's really gonna be different without you Time is gonna be hot and slow For the rest of my life Gonna be thinking about you Yes I am Time came when you had to go I'll miss you, my buddy I'll miss you, my friend I promise my love for you In your finest hour, I was there with you And without you, things won't be the same But there's a higher power that we answer to And you heard him calling your name Really gonna miss you Everything about you, 
your smiling face yes. I know you want us all to be strong Really gonna miss you I know you've gone to that magic place Singing you a brand new song I miss you my buddy Survive 
So them suckers seem to lose it Abuse their privileges and not the whole villages Been shot to pieces Cause niggas are biting that same stupid shit I mean that features Boy don't beat me if you ain't got no work I'm strictly about these verses like the ones you hear at church boy Search boy Talking about your dope is wrong like lurch boy Every time I heard you rhyming like a fucking jerk boy Simp yeah Friends, Romans, 
country man, lend me your eardrums It was a beautiful day off in the neighborhood Yellows and greens and blues and browns and grays and hues that ooze beneath dilapidated wood Ain't a thing could explain what pertains to cocaine and sustaining rain See summer rolls around, niggas all about change Then instead move them keys like Bob James Cause old man winners arrive, the temperature dies November just died, December July Thus it ain't no typical ride Just individuals way to bring home The bacon when bacon was all wrong Making it our own, taking me all wrong We've all indulged in the bulge of those No, 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 you ain't so low It's even lower levels you can go Take sun people, put them in the land of snow Touch what I never touched before Seen what I never seen before Woke up and seen the sun sky high Sky high Alright I hope everyone enjoyed the show This has been Keith Johnson with his co-host Sean Mack and this is Sports Fans Only. <laughs>